0: And yes, there is a big feet moment. So for people who like feet, he's going to kiss her feet. She's going to suck his
1: thumbs. So if you like appended sucking, this movie is for but you. But it's not, it's not like cute feet kissing, right? Because oh. they make a point of saying her feet are like really disgusting and covered in calluses. And like that's like, she runs barefoot all night. Right. Yeah. So if you're into crusty feet, this is your movie. And I'm sure those, they're out there. And I'm not shaming Honestly. you in any way, shape, or form. You do it, man. I, I mm. I'm on board. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. Eww. Hello, hello, hello. We love you, Disco Citizens. Welcome to Horror Movie Survivor Guide. I am here with Terry. And I am here with Julia. I'm so excited, Julia.
0: I love Korea. Can I just say that? I'm going to paint that at the beginning of this show. I love okay. Korea. Okay. I'm very excited. Um, uh, we're covering 2009's Thirst. Uh,
1: yes. Can- yes. Tell me t- more about it. The t- uh, t- title of this episode is Thirst After Sinful Pleasure. And the tagline for this movie is lusting after simple pleasures. Interesting. Mm. Similar, but not the same. So this movie is actually inspired by Therese Rakan by Emile Zola, which I have not read, sadly. This is a screenplay by Seo Kyung Jung and Park Chan-wook, who also directed the movie. And this is our first mainstream Korean film to feature full frontal male nudity. Can we just point that out? I believe it. It's very modest culture. So, like, honestly,
0: the amount of boobies in this movie, too. I was like, oh, this is... A big departure. This is is a pretty pretty adventurous, saucy, saucy Korean movie. And I'm here for it.
1: Yes. So let us talk about this movie. We open with a man in a hospital bed looking like he's in trouble, talking about giving away delicious cake. We meet, meet our our main character, our priest, who is Sang Young, played by Song Kang Ho. And oh, uh, he I is. I love him
0: so much. I just, I, just,
1: I just got goosebumps. I adore oh, him wow. so much. Oh, yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a big fan.
0: If, for those who don't already know right away, like he was the main guy, main dad from Parasite. And he's been in Snowpiercer and a lot of other wonderful, wonderful films. And he's just an icon. So, anyway, very excited. To see him, this is probably why I really wanted to watch this movie too. So, yes,
1: yeah. So he uh, is a priest who wants to join this experiment. This about by the Manuel Memorial Biochemical Labs. So they have this uh, this virus that is really terrible. It causes you to have blisters on the limbs. You're inside your bodies. You'll eventually hemorrhage, and there's no cure. And so he wants to experiment volunteer for the experiment, even though they tell him straight up front, like you're probably gonna get it and you're probably gonna die and he still wants to do it so it's that weird priest suffering thing right off the bat I'm like I can't connect with that I don't understand well, it's a what martyrdom that's about thing,
0: but it's also a little kind of like um, like the people on, who want to go on, like on the, on the mission to Mars kind of thing do you know what I mean where it's like you want to do this thing for humanity he's a priest so he's got this altruistic thread going through his body of just like hey what can I do more to help humanity and help people this- survive so he has that like Partially, it's a little, you know, human God complex that happens sometimes. And especially within the priesthood, I think that's actually feels very common of just like, what more can I do? And even his like the uh, uh, the pre- like the father, the priest above him is like, dude, like you don't actually need to do this. Like you'll probably be more valuable and helpful to the community staying here. But he insists that he wants to go. Um and they do talk about that too. They're like, "Hey, most people who come here are want to be martyrs or have some sort of like suicide mission, you know, mm-hmm. about them." So there's, are you want are you either one of those? And he kind of falls more on the martyr side, it seems like, than the suicide bomber side.
1: Yeah, uh, but I guess his motivation was never super clear to me on this moment. Uh, but they say that the people who get this virus is almost all Caucasian or Asian. It's eighty percent single males. So strange statistics that we never really come back to in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they. Inject him with the virus and then they inject him with the vaccine. And guess what? Vaccine doesn't work and he gets it. So now I think him covered in these fucking blisters in this movie makes me wanna arf so hard. Uh, you know I'm not good with like this is medical, I guess it is medical. I don't know. It's It's, it's full medical. It's fully medical cuz they're in hospitals a good
0: portion of this movie. We literally start the movie in like, the ho- in a hospital. Co- he's
1: like you know p- peeling fingernails off. The cronenberg yeah, the, like, the of it all right here yeah, is a body little, little is bodyguard. Yeah.
0: so And then, of course, but while he's playing, he's playing a little white recorder, which I was like, oh, "Oh, no. So he's playing like a little, you know, music recorder and it's like playing this beautiful little peaceful tune. Then all of a sudden, like blood comes from his throat like they talked about might happen. Of course, it happens like almost right away. Um, And like, of course, it beautifully covers, though, the white recorder that he's playing. It's just all covered in blood. Coming at the
1: bottom of it, like way too much blood. Well,
0: yeah. But before that happens, actually, he's writing a letter back home, making it sound like he's at like Club Med, though. Like he's like, oh, I'm, Mm -hmm. you know. So you see like the montage of him, like right before it gets really bad as, as he's at the beginning of the experiment where it looks, does look ideal. Like he's outside playing, you know, volleyball with the other men in the experiment and, you know, all this stuff's happening. And then all of a sudden it just is bad. So he's ends up on the um, operating table where they need to give him a transfusion really quickly because he's hemorrhaging so much blood.
1: We were just talking about a uh, vampire blood transfusions last week in their dark, weren't we? How funny is that? We totally were. That is
0: wild that that happens again. And here we are getting another transfusion, but this is a very different outcome because you're not getting transfused to fight vampirism. You're getting transfused potentially with something that kind of is... Vampirism.
1: And this is something that we never explore in this film is where this came from, right? That mm-hmm. we assume that there's other vampires out there and this is where the transfusion comes from and possibly somebody within this experiment. But he never... I feel like if this happened to me, I would want to trace where it came from. But I guess that's not something that's ever really explored in this film, which is interesting. Not really, no. But also um, because
0: he was basically um, deter- like determined dead when he was on the table and even though he had this transfusion... All of a sudden he came back to life. So now everyone has given him like he's a miracle and within, you know, he's a Catholic priest. So we've got this like beautiful, this whole miracle that's happened. So, of course, there's like a cult following him, like of all these people who are just like want to be near him or want to have their babies blessed by him. Or just all these people that all of a sudden, you know, want to be around him because they feel like they're going to get some piece of healing, like touching the Shroud of Turin or something.
1: Right. Right. Uh, So he gets the nickname, the Bandage Saint. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he has to wear bandages sometimes. He, he, so the, the deal is that the, the this, this vampirism is fighting off this EV virus that he has, but not killing it. So he can only put it in remission when he drinks other people's blood. So he has to continually do that or else he'll break out. So he's in these bandages when he is. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's interesting to treat vampirism as a disease more than mm-hmm. anything else. Uh, and, you know, he does get these powers from it, but it does just seem like he's you know, received, you know, HIV or something from the transfusion where it's something that you can't control and it's now mm-hmm. taken you over.
0: Yeah. He's very tortured by it, I think, too. But um but as even within the torturing by it or trying to figure out kind of what the ins and outs are, he does start re- realizing he's got some powers and, you know, he's still trying to do good things. Like he's at the hospital doing magic tricks for kids, you know, and like working in like, you know, the the um the ward where they have all the cancer children and things like that so he's trying to do some continue to do something good there's something inside him that still wants to connect with humanity um and so in the midst of that he runs into um somebody who he used to know from school i guess like there was like this you know girl and and boy and stuff that he knew from growing up and this kid is in the hospital. He's very sick. So his mom grabs him and like, it's like, you have to come and, you know, uh, pray for my son. And so he does. And they realize they all know, actually knew each other from when they were children.
1: Mm -hmm. And he was in an orphanage. So there is Kang Wu, who is the son, Mrs. Ra, who is the mom. And then we have Taiju, who is the daughter, uh, who they had taken in when she was three as kind of a Pet more than a daughter, uh, and that they're just going to move her from being the maid to the wife, and going to have her marry the the yeah, son. Like, even she was
0: my adopted daughter, now she's my daughter in law. Like that's like the little moment that like Mrs. Rod, you know, shares yeah. um, shares with the priest, and so it seems convenient a little too convenient like oh like she's basically like a housebound elf you know like to this place yeah
1: and now kind of marry the person that you thought of as your brother where you were growing up your whole life and now they're your husband that's also kind of uh, but we can see they have no talking,
0: chemistry those two no like it's definitely. Like but she seems
1: she but she seems like she is checked out from life entirely right that she is not there she hates her life more than anything and you can she's tell like, resigned she's, to this fate yeah, yeah. She is, and but I think you can see beneath that there is a strength to her that you just want her to be like. Just get away, man. Why are you here? Just go somewhere else. And like she you don't have to go. be there
0: anymore. Like yeah. you're not a child anymore. Like you're a grown up. Like maybe as a child you felt obligated to stay there because there was no one else to take care of you, but. You can literally go anywhere, but she works, um, you know, the Mrs. Ra has a shop, um, a hanbok shop down below that's like the traditional Korean dress, you know, all the out- beautiful outfits. So they she sits in the shop all day with mom, her mother-in-law, and then mm-hmm. at night has to go right upstairs and help take care of her ailing husband. He's like chronically ill all the time. Seems like a little like pro- like Munchausen by proxy kind of
1: thing that mm-hmm. between that mom and son as well. Yeah. So um and also they make allusions that he's maybe slightly mentally handicapped as well and we're not mm-hmm. really sure that like he's not ever going to be able to take over the shop like he's just not uh, uh, up to the task so they they end up spending a lot of time together though because they have a weekly mahjong night that they're yeah. gonna all play some mahjong i love this i love i love the framing of of,
0: of mahjong because i feel like it often it like gives you um, insight into who these people are, how people play games is how they play yeah. life, right? Right. And so you get those little taste taste of life when you throw in a game like this. In the yeah, middle. it
1: makes me wish I knew how to play mahjong because I'm sure if I did, their their moves would say something about who they were. Uh, but right? I don't I don't know it well enough. It's like when I'm watching a chess show and I'm like, I'm sure this this move means something, but I I don't I don't know what it means.
0: Totally, but I'm sure someone's done a deep dive. Would we'll probably look for it on YouTube or something. I, I yeah. can only imagine they've been like, this is actually what these all mean because I know this is a very well loved scene as well too. Um, but yeah so they're they're playing their weekly games so then we meet like the kind of the rest of the the friends too so they've also got um best friends to the married couple um, you know that come over as well that are part of this circle, and everyone's still very like surprised by the bandaged priest, like that he's this miracle, mm-hmm. and kind of want to know more about them, and they all seem to revere him, like even one of the girls like kisses
1: his hand, like right. when they meet him, and yeah, I'm 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 kind of confused at why he decides to join this group. I know that he feels like he's kind of lost and wandering and doesn't and aimless, but it feels like he was cajoled into going into the sunrooms in the first place, and the moms a little bit of a time right like once they you're knew done each with each other that, as
0: children they did there
1: was but, like a so that's part of the connection of like i still want to connect I, with people i used to know i guess but would you want to hang out with these people because i sure wouldn't and it feels like after like tight is cute and all but i would feel like after this initial thing in the hospital room i'd be like okay done with them gonna go live this vampire life do something else i would be done with them after meeting one they're still very drawn to each other and i still think they have
0: old history from childhood it's like you know when you see your like from like, I don't know, fifth grade or whatever. You're like, I'd still be curious to know what's going on with your life. And maybe I think he's still, like you talked about earlier, he has this God complex too of like, how can I, he sees that she needs rescuing in his eyes. Right.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I guess so. I guess for me, these people feel grotesque. They feel like, like a Harmony Corinne kind of like angry, mean, part of korean culture because they're just like mrs rosa tyrant and she's you know she's she's treated this woman as a dog her entire life they're not nobody's a nice person in this movie right like and that's fine i don't say you have to have movies where people are nice but i guess they're all so complicated and i just dislike pretty much everybody
0: Oh, my God. Okay, wow, Julia. Uh, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm
1: telling you how think I they're feel. All I think they're all very human. I think that's all sure. it is. It's just like... But hey, I don't feel like he shows is like the good part of humanity. I feel like he only kind of focuses on the negative part of humanity.
0: Well, I think there's something interesting about everyone has their own goals but they don't always line up and i think that that's really normal and very human we're like we could all be like working in the same place and ostensibly going towards the same thing but we all have different motives for doing it right Mm -hmm. so all these people want to hang out um this guy is strangely attracted to her like so probably part of his motivation is like you see himself flagellating in in between scenes where he's like worried about like because he's having visions of her and like basically like stops himself from masturbating right so like he's fighting his like "Quote unquote," sinful nature. Um, she just wants to be set free, but she doesn't have this, the courage or power to do it yet. Mm-hmm. So they all kind of like need each other to push each other towards being better. But do they end up better or do they end up worse? A little bit of both, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Through the course of this, right? So anyway, they have this they have this dinner, and you know the, the things get a little. We realize that um, our our two main our two main people um, have a, have fire. Right. So we realize that the priest and the girl mm-hmm. <laughs> are probably are, are checking each other out. So Sang Sanghyun and Taiju definitely are a little hot for each other. And it's pretty obvious around the table.
1: Uh, yeah. But then we get the scene almost right after this of Taiju, who is. Uh, has a pair, a small pair of like sewing scissors that she is putting in and out of her husband's mouth as he's sleeping, and it looks as if this isn't the first time she's done this. Uh, and then she also likes to run through the streets barefoot at night because she needs to get out. That I understand. Uh, that's her
0: freedom, yeah.
1: That I get. Uh, the scissors thing is like, oh no, oh you have you have issues, lady. Like I understand you dislike this man, but that's going hard. She wants to take him out. She's yeah. she
0: feels really trapped by King Wu. And so she feels like he's like tethering her down. Um and I'm just like, lady, just leave. But I think mm-hmm. she just doesn't have the courage quite yet. Yeah. Um, and she does really play with that. Um, so uh, we also um go back to um the main priest that's above so priest Ro, who's above um sain and he um is like lets him know what's happening. And so the priest offers his blood. And shares it with him because he, once he realizes that, oh my God, you really are, you know, um, this whatever, this vampire or this, you know, this otherworldly creature, like you are immortal, because he slashes his chest and reaches inside, you know, his side. Grabs his heart. Grabs his heart and realizes, nope, this is, he's cold.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So but we also have the sun burning him. So this is again, we always like to know what vampire rules we're playing by. And this one, yes, the sun is burning him. So can't do that. He's able to, though, just uh, siphon, siphon blood straight out of uh, people's transfusions and just chill on the ground and suck it up like a slurpee.
0: Yeah. So he figures out a way to ethically um, get blood in
1: quotes. Well, you know, like... Stealing to, to someone's point. blood without asking is uh, not really ethical, but...
0: But instead yeah. of actually killing him, like yes. other vampires do, so I think this is a similar to last week, too, when we had Near Dark, where you're like, we have a kind of a vampire with a code, right? So mm-hmm. you're dealing with a vampire who doesn't want to um, murder in the same way that other vampires might. He doesn't get into the hunt or the kill in that way. He's just... His only thing he's hunting seems to be Taiju,
1: right.
0: <laughs> as far as just having a relationship with her. And so so he the guy he's siphoning from, though, is in a coma and he was an old friend of his. It's like a guy who would had thanked him at the beginning of the movie about giving him sweet cakes when he was, you know, needing was hungry at one point or something. So um, he's like, yeah, that guy wouldn't mind if I if I take a little.
1: Yeah, just take a little fine. bit while, while, he's, while he's in the coma. But he does uh, jump out the window out of the hospital window, lands on the car and is totally fine. So I think that that's his test is like, OK, let's see. Is this real now? Am I really immortal? Uh, Yeah, it turns out I am. That's fine. So keeps on keeps on going. So he finds out that, you know, this blood is repressing this evil, but it's not going to kill it. So it's eventually like it's sustaining him for a while, but it's eventually going to consume him like it would. It's just this kind of putting off of what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. So he's pushing off the inevitable, basically. Um, So. Immortal, but with, you know, an asterisk, right? So you got to make sure you maintain this, like, this blood and all that stuff, too. So he's back with Taiju and the family, and they have another Mahjong uh, moment. And then um, they actually end up uh, getting to cut away because he runs into her a couple times while she's running around at night um, and sees her um, while she's running all barefoot through the city and stuff. And so he gives her his shoes mm-hmm. uh, one night. Uh, he stops her. Um, and they seem really, again, drawn towards each other. Um, to the point where the next time he ends up in the shop with her at night and they end up having making some sweet, sweet love. And she's like, I've never had sex like this before. And he says all the right things to him. Never
1: kissed anybody before. Although he's a priest. Yeah. But we do have to point out that there is a moment where he pushes her off and smacks his thighs with a ruler to punish himself right beforehand and she's like into it and kisses it. And I was like, "Uh Uh-huh. Okay. mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a
0: big state masochism like through line running through this film for sure as mm-hmm. well of, of just like the denial of like, OK, if you're denying yourself, what do you do um, and how do you handle that? But also, is that kind of hot to like, you know, uh, chastise yourself for uh, the things you're about to do? So, to they ha- mm-hmm. <laughs> so they have some sweet, sweet kisses this is his wounds, but they get interrupted very mid coitus. Like she's like straddling him. And then, uh, but they're down in the shop downstairs below the apartment that her family's all living in. And so her mother-in-law, Mrs. Raw knocks and they their yell um, for, um, and yeah, King was like, Hey, like come upstairs. Like I need a hot water bottle. She's like, ugh, of course he needs a hot water bottle right when I'm having hot, hot sex.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so she has to leave, but that's okay. Cause this has opened the door for them to continue to do so uh, for quite some time. So we get a, a, Seen in the hospital, uh, where she, where they asked if there's like, there's like feet licking all sorts of crazy stuff going on, you well, know?
0: They, yeah. They, well, they find, decide to rendezvous. Cause as they even, um, you know, as, as they continue to meet up at like weekly mahjong nights and all that stuff too. And they have very euphemistic conversations over the mahjong as well too. I'm just like, Oh, like, yes, I'm very good at, good at what I do. And, you know, like trying to talk, cover it up. So they decide to meet up at the hospital and they're using the bed right next to the coma guy. <laughs> to hook up in me. And yes, there is a big feet moment. So for people who like feet, he's going to kiss her feet. She's
1: going to suck his thumbs. So if you like appended sucking, this movie is for but you. But it's not, it's not like cute feet kissing, right? Because no. they make a point of saying her feet are like really disgusting and covered in calluses. And like, the, that's like, she runs barefoot all night. Right. Yeah. So if you're into crusty feet, this is your movie. And I'm sure those they're out there and I'm not shaming Honestly. you in any way, shape or form. You do it, man. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm i on board. Um, so they have this vampire, fun montage of them bouncing around uh he's holding her off a parking garage uh you know cute vampire fun
0: yeah and so um so she so they you know keep hooking up and eventually um she keeps asking basically to be turned um and she's like i she's fascinated by him and like you know tells him he's cute doing what he's doing and like you know is very is very into all this stuff and um in the midst of this too the priest the, the older the priest ro um he asked to be turned as well like he's also curious cuz he wants to live forever he's also blind and he wants to be able to see again so he's asking for him to turn him so that he can do that um but um Yoon is does not want to turn him he's you know uh, basically ends up uh, taking his blood anyway though <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so he ends up deciding that he's not going to be priest anymore he's going to forget the vatican forget the rules he's done with, with his it. vows yep, yep he's done so he's gonna in the most awkward move of all time move in with the family so that they him and taiju can secretly bonk in the basement uh while they are upstairs unawares of what is happening he had one taste and he is addicted.
0: And he was like, I shall leave everything for sex. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, even though he's, you know, a vampire could probably do some other stuff, too. But he leaves the church and he does this. And, i always um, thought that vampire
1: sex would be better, though, right? It seems like it, right? That's, that would always been my thought process. Yeah. You and have he, like human sex, you have vampire sex. And obviously vampire sex is superior. superior. Yeah.
0: Oh. For sure. I okay. mean, like the amount of times I've watched Twilight and then wrecked that bed, you know, like mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> yeah. it's got it's gotta be done. So um anyway, the um priest was like he realizes he's running low on blood because he's been, you know, getting blood from the hospital um because he's a doctor priest, which I don't understand, but anyway, that's part of his thing too. Um, and so he um yeah, he's running low. And so she stabs herself. Taiju stabs herself. You know, and and, and, and tries to, um, you know, call him forth, basically. And he does. He rushes to save her because um, he smells the blood in the house from the like from the basement all the way up to mm-hmm. the top of the house where she's at. Um, and he needs blood. So um, they decide that he thinks that what's happened is that um, her husband like beat her somehow, even though he's like the weakest. Right. Stickliest little man <laughs> um uh, king Wu is and so they decide to take him fishing and so they go out on
1: a fishing boat night fishing uh not suspicious at all uh i think this is probably my favorite part of the movie is when they're in the boat and Taiju says do you plan on taking all night the police and hospital questioning will take hours and i was like that's so fucking amazing to just say it right to his face And he's like what <laughs> he's like yeah But she's right, you know, and like she's like, let's get on with it, man. Let's go. She's a motivated,
0: motivated little one, right? And so um, they are out there on that water, and um, Sang Yoon uh, kills um, or pushes over Kang Woo out into the water. And um, we know, I believe Kang Woo can't swim. So that's probably, he throws him under there and he gets a rock and like tries to leave him down there. Um, But they are going to be haunted by this by this wet dripping 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 man for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yes, they
1: are. And uh, Taju also gets a fishing hook through her ear during that sequence, so he drinks her blood. Um, but then mm-hmm. seems to blister like right after he drinks her blood this time. So I'm like, is it getting faster? I thought that would have put it off for a while. I'm not really sure. But he also he also says that vampires are not immortal. So you go, okay, not immortal. We know this. This is good to know. Uh, so he gives his goes to the priest and wants to give up his vampirism in in exchange for absolution. Mm -hmm. uh, But then ends up uh, coughing up blood and bleeding out of his eyes and stabbing the priest in the heart with a straightened out corkscrew in order to drink.
0: Yeah. It it turns pretty quick right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he really, he really has changed as much as you want to try to fight your nature um, in this state. I don't think he can. Um, I think he did it had a very valiant effort, but it's it was never it was always going to be a losing battle, I think, for this moment. Right. And so now he's off and running and he um, because he's bitter ear and like the, drinking the blood and all that stuff, too. She seems to have contracted the same affliction that he has now, too. Um, and so there's some there they have uh, some some serious problems together because they have different ethics about how they want to vamp. Yes. she is excited about her new powers and wants to feed and kill and hunt. And remember she loves to run, she likes to read out there and run and jump and and do all this stuff. And <sighs> he wants to ra- he'd rather help people. He's like, I'd rather find people who are lonely that are suicidal and kind of help them out. So he's trying to ethically kill people that want to already be dead versus people right. who do not want to be dead. But, of,
1: of course, the idea of ethically killing anyone is ridiculous because it's you're killing one way or another. And honestly, I feel like if you would start the movie here, mm-hmm. I would like this movie way better. If you have this weird power dynamic of this girl who's super into it and she's trying to lure him in and, no, no, you can't do this. Like That was really interesting to her vampire self is rad i'm like yes i like her even though she's obviously psychotic but it's like but when you're a vampire then who cares right like you're killing people anyway who cares how you do it well i like the term i
0: think it's interesting i feel like it's like that thing that that saying or whatever that like money just amplifies who you already are. Right. Do you know what I mean? So it's like who they already were as humans. I think it's amplified once they have this affliction or this vampirism. Right. Uh-huh. So it's like she was already pretty ruthless. She just didn't have the balls to like handle it. But now she is still ruthless and even more ruthless, but also has the power to back it up. Yeah. He was very altruistic. And now even in his vampirism is still like trying to find ways to live that life like in a bigger way right. and actually do more to help these people than he ever could before. I think there is an ethical way for you. I think euthanasia is super ethical, but I've obviously, as a vampire, he's probably not getting the same sign off on it like you probably yeah. need to. I'm okay with it, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yes. So he still has a moral compass, but he always. Either way, she's like, if you save me right now, if you try to kill me, as you your vampire, you're going to regret it no matter what you do, which is true. So I think therein is the whole conundrum of the movie: is like you're going to regret no matter what your choices are from now on; they're all going to be bad. Yeah. Doesn't matter
1: sure and I feel like this you know this goes from you know their their period of being together as like having fun vampire vampire fun lasts very little in, in this movie and it goes so sure. very quickly already to them falling apart because not only are their vampire styles totally different but they also have this literal representations of the sun between them constantly where they're having sex and he's in the middle and they're laying down and they're, he's in the middle and so there's that's never going to be at this bridge they're going to divide and they and they start to get nasty Was like oh it was your idea no it was your idea and like you wanted me to do it no it's your
0: fault no it's your fault no it Mm is it's very guests on time for y'all in the middle um (laughs) so we have to but um I think it's interesting too with the mom because so we have the umma, the mom, I um, mean, Mrs. Raw, who's actually like kind of had like a stroke basically in the midst of everything as well, too, because her son died and she freaks out. And so she's basically catatonic, but she is still catching up on stuff that's in the room. So she's witnessing all of this. They've kept her alive for some reason. I don't know why they didn't just kill her and drain her. I, I don't know how or why, but I think I they because. Because Sang Yoon felt guilty, maybe, too. And then Taiju just kind of likes to torture her, I think, still, too. It's just weird dynamic yeah. as well. So would they still have a witness to everything. So she's catatonic, but she's there all the time in this redecorated apartment, too. Because this movie does turn from that being like this everything's dark to like everything's stark white now that's all painted. So it looks right. like daylight
1: even at night in this apartment. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and they and they they um are able to go through, and then get, he starts to get abusive to her because she has this moment she had told her she had told him earlier in the movie that Kang Woo had beat her, and now it was like, oh, he never beat me, and then he was like, whoa, whoa. I killed this guy for you because you said he beat you. And now you're saying he didn't. So you lied to me this whole time, which she did. Um, And so then he's like, oh, you infected my family. And then she's like, oh, I love you, mom. And you're like, whoa, whoa, this is not what we were playing with at all. And she has this complete 180. Completely. And so
0: we realized that she was not, you know, her motive. She used him to get out of the situation she was in. She also used him because she was like fascinated, like, hey, if you're immortal, and you can do all these things like I want those powers. And so she had used him to get all this stuff Um, and they get in a knockdown drag out super battle kind of fight. But in the middle of that fight, they get interrupted by their old friends um, that used to come for their Mahjong night. And They were Mm -hmm. like, what night is it? Oh, shit. Our friends are here for Mahjong. And we're in the middle of this knockdown drag out fight. OK. They clean up real quick and like get upstairs and they the friends are over like normal. But um, in the midst of it, um, Mrs. Ra starts blinking to communicate. And they realize she's doing Morse code or some sort of code to try to let them know, like, hey, I want to tell you something. And so um, the friends are like, oh, so excited. And, and Seng Yun and Taiju are like, oh shit, oh shit. Like, what's she going to say?
1: Yeah, so they had. She had accidentally when um, Taiju was making dinner for her one night, like her juice or whatever she's making her. She'd accidentally got a drop of vampire blood in there with it. So we assume that this gives her the like ability to come back just a little bit. So she ends up doing Morse code and letting them know that they killed her son, and she knows it. And like with only eye movements in her finger, pretty good, ma. Pretty good. It's like it's, it's that's impressive, but cool. now, but now that they know. Now nah, you gotta die. Um, so they go through this battle where they're going to kill all of their friends. Um so this disappointed me because you have a you have a point in this movie to make it very clear that you're gonna paint this entire place white. And if you're gonna have a big bloody fucking drag out battle, why is it not just fucking everywhere? I want like dead, alive, crazy blood everywhere. No, you painted the whole apartment white. Why else would you do it in a horror movie that just like I feels like, oh, I was ready for like blood bonanza, and there's so little of it. And I was like, no come on. There's, there's there's a good amount,
0: but not enough on the walls. I know what you mean. But maybe it just depends on how many takes they were willing to do. So who knows? <laughs> um, but I'm sure they had a good white paint budget. They probably could have done a little more and, and done a few more takes. But um But they, you know, talk about what they need to do. So they again, they still have that fight and that battle of how they want to kill their friends and stuff, too. It's like, no, no, no. You have to cut off the feet if you want more blood. She's like, why am I getting any more blood out of them? He's like, well, because he's a doctor. He's like their heart stops. So they're not pumping any more blood towards the top. If you want to get more blood, you have to cut off the feet and drain the blood out from the bottom. So he helps her do that um, and collects up the blood. But he also ends up um, saving um, her friend, her her old BFF. Through the midst of this, and like has her play dead, basically, like and looks like he's drained her, but um, she's you know left on the floor and fakes and does a fake out, um, to get her out of there, um, and they are having on the move, trying to get out of that place because the cops are probably going to come just because of, of
1: of the series of events
0: and things, the way things are kind of shaken down.
1: I did like I noticed in this scene that the marks that that she so she gets him in the neck with the scissors and then drinks her blood from there, and it looks exactly like vampire bite. The two mm-hmm. like scissor marks, and I was like, "Oh, clever, good." Um, so, uh, scene here, very at the, at the very end, kind of a throwaway scene, but what the fuck? Uh, he wanders into the camp of his followers who have been there camping out to be near him, and they catch him raping a girl. And I was like, "Was well, he, he? Like, is he, he is making making it it it? So that they they're like, "Oh, they stop following him because he turned out to be a creep." Right. Is that yeah. what he's trying to do? Yep. He's trying to turn them so that they could they can leave and not be
0: camping out there anymore. And like because he knows he's not a saint. Do you know what I mean? No, like, and he wants to, like, free his followers. I think it's probably the most honorable scene he has in the movie, quite honestly, is, like, Whoa. he went into this thing to go be, like, It sounds, looks awful, but he's not really raping her. I think he's just setting that up so it looks like he does so he can get them to stop. Because how else, like, they they would go on, they would probably have stories and they would make books and movies, you know what I mean? They would probably yeah. continue on
1: vilifying this
0: man, even though he's awful, you know? So 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 his
1: plan is to pack up Taiju and Ma in the car, drive them out to the beach and wait for that sun to rise. And she is not into it and tries very hard to get away in any way, shape or form or just get inside the trunk or under the car. She made the
0: mistake of falling asleep in the car and, uh,
1: you know, and they wake up and she's like, where the
0: fuck are we? And it's like literally she gets out for miles around. It looks like there is not a tree. There is not a place to hide. There is no place to, you know, hold up into Yeah. Uh, And then they get. She tries to hide in the trunk. Yeah, she tries to hide in the trunk. And so finally she resigns herself. But before that, Sang-hyun gives mom um, a phone. And uh, like she's sitting in the back of the car. And so she can, if she, right by her one little finger that works. And uh, she gets to watch them burn to a crisp as they sit on the hood of the car in the front. And she looks so happy to watch them burn. They're on that bonnet.
1: Yep. Her eyes light up. (laughs) She's so happy. (laughs) uh and a fin all right let's do some gore factor one not enough blood to fill a dixie cup two is a puddle of blood three is enough blood to gross out an average viewer four is a bathtub of blood and five is run for the barf bag we give this one a five there's a lot of blood coughing up blood sucking blood draining blood
0: but not, not
1: but not enough blood on the walls, says Julia Marchesi. Not enough. Uh,
0: never enough, Julia. There's never enough. Um, yeah, I agree. There there could have been more blood on those walls at the at the end for sure. Um, how about some movie ratings, Julia? Um Chainsaws, one if you're desperate, two barely qualifies as a horror film, three, scene worse, seen better, four, not too shabby, and five, oracle. I love this movie. I give it a five. I know we're probably on the opposite end of the spectrum, it sounds like, just based on conversation today. But I um I like this uh, battle of like I don't know human nature versus like real human nature versus like maybe vampire nature um, naughty by nature not because I hate you
1: <laughs> situation uh huh um, so I didn't realize until I started watching this movie for this that I had seen this movie before at uh, when I used to work at the New Beverly and I didn't like it then and I don't like it now. I don't like it. I'm sorry. It's it's like I I referenced it and like compared it to Harmony Crint earlier. And to me it feels the same way. It's like this nastiness of humanity that doesn't have any redeeming qualities. Like none of these characters Surprising really have usually,
0: any. You usually love it when everything's terrible at the I end. And everyone's awful and everyone dies. And that's kind of what happens here. I know, you know but- what the, know? I, It's like literally that. So it just, sure. just surprises me that that's not what you like about it. Like, I think, it, I think he does such a good job of like mm-hmm. finding like what is good and what is bad no one and nothing, you know, are
1: definitely good or bad. It's
0: just like we all kind of have like desires and sometimes those line up and
1: sometimes they just don't. Uh, So I thought long and hard about what I wanted to rate this film because I cannot say it's a bad film. I understand that he is a very, you know, uh, Park Chan Book is a very talented director and I know that uh, he's done a lot of films. Um, I give this movie a one because (gasps) I... I just don't want to watch it again. And if you were to ask me if I would ever recommend this to somebody, I would say no. I would never do that, and it, it's like a movie that after the first watch, I did never want to watch again. And then I watched it again, and then I was I've like, seen "Oh, old man. boy." As well, I have seen old boy, and I, I think that you know, and it's an incredible film. But I think the, the same way about that, old boy, I, <laughs> I it kind of it's like the feeling I get from it is so unpleasant, right? And I think that that's kind of what I was saying. We we did our our, our review with uh, three black Halflings where we talked about Hereditary, and I have that same kind of feeling. Where, like it's not fun to watch for me. It's really uncomfortable, and it makes me want to like please stop. And it's not like I'm saying that either one of these films are bad films because they're clearly not, but they're just like this one in particular, just I think not not to my liking. So right. I don't I don't I don't often have a film that I react so strongly against. No, you really don't. You, you have no. like a handful of movies that I know
0: like I know not to ever to ask you to watch. Now I can add this to the list, but yeah. I would watch it again. I loved it. Okay. I love the performances. Well, I it just, always makes me feel, feel awkward I when I, when I like I think he's such a talented actor. I thought and he um, is. And um, that's okay. the thing, the Kane performances like, are great. Amazing. The two leads just, I just really love their tete to tete. I just, I also liked her turn. It was uh-huh. so fun, delicious to watch that. I was like, I was not expecting her to come so hard. Like that right. sounds bad, but also great. But I was not expecting <laughs> that, you know, that, that to happen. So I'm really glad. So it's all right. We're a house divided today, but yeah, I, and it's really- okay.
1: You know, yeah. I, I need to be, I need to feel more confident when I feel this way. Cause I always feel badly that I have to say the when uh, I don't like something and I shouldn't, because this is only my opinion. And what's my opinion worth anyway? Sure. But I always want to have f- positive things to find, you know, to say about it. And again, not a bad film, fantastic performances, camera works great. Just not for you. Not for me. But will next week be for me? Because next week is a movie written for the screen and directed by
0: Stephen King, my Mm. homeboy. That sounds like something you're going to be into, Julia. I have
1: a good good feeling. (laughs) And uh, it's a Stephen King film, the only one he ever directed and one I have not seen. So, you what? haven't seen Maximum Overdrive? I have not.
0: What the actual hell? I can't. I know. This, is, this is amazing. All right, cool. So, we've had a bunch of movies recently that you have not seen or haven't seen for a long time. So, I'm yeah. super excited. So, let's get into Maximum Overdrive next week. In the meantime, guys, if you are you a house divided like us, do you really, really love this movie or really, really hate this movie? Uh, let us know about The Thirst, what you think. You can let us know on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, or you can uh, reach out to us on our Patreon for all of our Patreons. Only. You can definitely message us there too. Um, you can also. Um, find some merch if you want to sport some beautiful horror movies for guy got merch um, go to our Teespring store the hoodies are very cozy I'm just going to let you know that I even know we're like in s- middle of summer winter is coming y'all get the hoodie now
1: okay <laughs> um,
0: have a great week and we'll see you next week for some Maximum
1: Overdrive Stephen King Stephen King Stephen, Stephen, Stephen King all hail the king bye <laughs> thank you for listening Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Rhine. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on Patreon.com slash Horror Movie Survival Guide.